Hello, 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 and welcome to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher Podcast for Mother's Day, May 14th, 2023. I'm Richard Lanford, the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. If you're unfamiliar with Skokie, it is a near north suburb of the city of Chicago. That's where my wife and I happen to live, in Chicago. That's how near north it is. Anyway, um, the message today, you've seen the title of it or heard the title. Um, it's pretty explanatory. It's not a straight Mother's Day sermon, but it is about family and faith and rules and love and what's for our own good, <clears throat> as well as God's presence with uh, mothers like Hagar and where we presume Hagar also shared her experiences with her son which engendered trust in a loving and providential God. So, um, I hope that you will enjoy this message and uh, find some places to relate. And uh, Annie Nortz is our lector. So, and if you hear anything in the background playing, that's our music director, Ben Westfall. I am in the balcony stairs so I, because people are showing up <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to hide away, except it did hide away in the balcony stairs, but I mean, like going outside, it was too windy. So enough of me in the intro. Let's go, Annie. In the gospel reading, Jesus says he will send the advocate to the disciples and then refers to the advocate as the Holy Spirit or spirit of truth. As we are on the cusp of listening to the readings for today, let us ask that same spirit who is with us to open our own spirits to receive the truth in these words that God wants us to hear and to live out. So I ask you, please join me in, in that asking. Let us pray. Mysterious God, on Mother's Day we remember that many of the things our mothers taught us was by example, and many were outright taught by what she said. Give us the ability to listen well to the words we hear from the scriptures, that we will learn from your speech what you mean for us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the first reading, one of two about mothers in the Bible, is from the book of Genesis, chapter 21, verses 14 through 21. The backstory is that while Sarah was waiting to finally become pregnant, when God, when God will thereby fulfill the promise that God made back in chapter 12, in frustration, she gives her maidservant Hagar to Abraham to father a child. Did I say that right, Hagar? Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. Not too much later, Sarah bears Isaac. Hagar, who once taunted Sarah over her barrenness vis-a-vis -vis her having Ishmael, now finds Sarah wants her and her young son out. Abraham resisted, but God gave him the green light to do as Sarah said. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, 
she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the boat. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This ends reading from Genesis. We go now to the epistle section of the New Testament and hear a passage that's almost irregular for Mother's Day readings. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul writes to his protege, Timothy. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power <clears throat> and of love and of self-discipline. <clears throat> that concludes reading from Second Timothy. Will those who are able please rise for the reading of the gospel? <clears throat> this morning, it is the suggested lectionary gospel for today. It is John 14, verses 15 through 21. Jesus has been talking to the disciple prior to his arrest, about going to the Father, and how those who believe in him will go on to do great works. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This in the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides in you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Here ends a reading of the Gospel and the scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, the word of the God of life. 
for the life of the people of God. Like every family, we grew up with rules, usually enforced by our mom. There was bedtime, which I always hated. There was attending Sunday school and 20 minutes of worship in church before that. We had to eat everything we put on our plates. And no TV or playing with friends until after schoolwork was done, after homework was done. Don't chew with your mouth open. Don't put your hand on the hot stove. Cover your mouth when you yawn. Always tell the truth. Come home for dinner when you hear the carillon bells from United Theological Seminary play at 6 o'clock. That's dinner time. No profanity. When you're 12, you join the siblings' rotation of dishwashers. <laughs> Nothing that unusual. I hated bedtime. And I remember getting my mouth washed out with soap after saying something forbidden. So there were rules I did not like and would get out of them if I could. But looking back, these rules were for all our benefit. Some were obvious, like the hot stove and looking both ways before you cross the street. And some we later discovered were character builders. But at the times we were young, I suspect David, Pamela, Tommy, and I each had parental rules we resisted following. And now, hopefully, we can see these rules were for our own good. That meant mom and dad knew more than we did in laying down those rules. They wanted what was best for us, what was safest, what would build our character, and what would help us do well in school, if not also in life. Almost by stealth, it seemed, we were taught to be, res to be responsible, modest, respectful of others' property, and honest. You know, there's that old saying, the older I get, the smarter my parents get. When we came to understand all that, the, that the rules, you know, they were for our growth and our own good, eventually, implicitly, we realized we could trust mom and dad and the rules that they had put down for us. We sometimes resisted, but figured out there were good reasons for the rules placed before us and why disobedience earned its own reward. It's not fun for moms to deal with rebellious kids. Not fun for dads either. But kids are kids. And the hardship in this stage, I think, is part of the grand investment that parents make in raising kids into solid citizens. We hope that kids learn not only to trust and follow the rules, for the most part, none of us and none of them are perfect, but more importantly, to continue to trust the loving, wise parents who make and enforce them. Seeing the bigger picture, kids perhaps love their parents more for that, for those rules. Now we have no idea, as we turn to this morning's scriptures, about Ishmael growing up and resisting Mama Hagar's commands and rules. 
We can, I think, count on him listening to her stories. I cannot believe that she would not tell her son more than once or twice the harrowing story we just heard from Genesis. Annie read a tale that is tragically unjust. Yet, if we really hear it, not an unthinkable one today, if ever. Family arguments going deep within a blended family. There's there's imperfection on both sides, for sure. And even the Lord does not look too good at first in the story, but rather tribalistic, siding with a possessive, resentful Sarah because Isaac is the son of the promise. Well, Hagar and her young son are thrown out into the desert with just a skin of water and a loaf of bread. We are confronted with a single mom, abandoned, homeless, in the desert, alone with her young charge. The wilderness, or desert, we know, is a place not only geographic, but metaphoric and spiritual. In the desert, literally, and metaphorically, there can be very few resources. It is a taxing place to be. With extremes of nighttime cold and daytime heat, there are not many places to go and find help, and you are left struggling to obtain the bare necessities. Soon enough, this homeless, wandering, single mom on her own hits the breaking point. We find Hagar weeping once the food and water are gone. She cannot even face her young son whom she's put under a bush and she turns away, walks away from it and she believes will not live much longer. And God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. God heard both the cries of the boy and we presume also her weeping in their mighty desperation. God, it turns out, had not stopped listening to them. God had not turned a deaf ear to the voices of extreme maternal suffering, grief, thirst, hunger, fear, and abandonment. God responded by the angel engaging her with a sympathetic question and then says those four great Bible words, do not be afraid. God is present and ready with good news for them. A great nation will come from Ishmael, just as one was promised Abraham through Isaac. Although Ishmael is not the heir to the promise of Genesis 12, he was a son of Abraham. He was destined to be the ancestor of Bedouin tribes of the southern wilderness, and Muslims trace their ancestry to Abraham through Ishmael thereby making Islam one of the three Abrahamic faiths, with Judaism, and by the faith that makes one righteous, Allah Abraham being righteous by faith, Christianity. And Paul addresses that important connection in his letter to the Romans. 
But for us, the more important teaching here is that this single mom, cast out into the desert, nearing death, weeping for the fate of her young son and herself, and God shows up with deliverance. There is not only God's word of comfort from the angel, there's water. Brass, tax, need, filling the immediate need of survival. And God sticks around. God was with the boy. And he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. His mother got a wife for him. I'm sure that was several years later. Hagar surely told this story to Ishmael, which showed how trustworthy and compassionate the God of Abraham is. God provided. God was present. God made a promise that was proven to be kept in history. God came to them in their hour of greatest need and gave them a new life away from the toxic relationship with Sarah. As kids learn to trust the love and wisdom of their parents, I believe Ishmael learned to love and trust not only Hagar, but also this God as his mother did. Her story was also his story. And it would not stop being told after she died or after he died because we still have this narrative today. We have another story of mothers in our passages. Paul refers to his friend Timothy's grandmother and mother as having faith and passing it on to him. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, Paul wrote, so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and and now I am sure lives in you. He goes on to remind the younger man, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit rather of, but a rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Hagar, you see, is not the only person in our texts today who weeps. Timothy also, to whom Paul attributed sincere faith, wept, since Paul recalled his tears. Why he wept, we can't be sure. It might have been because of persecution, because later he exhorted Timothy to, quote, share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's chapter 2. Or he was weeping because he had run from persecution and so was reminded that the spirit we've been given from God is not a spirit of cowardice. In any regard, we find a believer who wept memorable tears, yet kept the faith through his agony. He held on to the faith that he breathed in, caught, and was taught by his mother and grandmother. Families are still one of, if not the most successful ways of passing on the Christian faith from generation to generation. Families can and do play a prominent role in faith development, faith practices, and a key way is not just teaching with words, but by modeling. And modeling love for Jesus, who loved us first. Christian families let us and kids know by words and example, imperfectly at times because we're all human, that we are loved by God. We are loved by God. Really loved. 
we're asked to love God back. And that's shown in response to not only the ways God has treated people before Jesus, but for the, from the Christian faith, essentially, essentially through Jesus. We are asked to love God back. And that's where some of those rules come in. Sunday school. Didn't get a choice. I did get a choice to join the children's choir, which I did, and I still have my pilgrim hymnal signed by Alice Porter, the music director, to prove it. Started into worship for 20 minutes until the Sunday school left the sanctuary for classes upstairs. Do we have to get up? Five days a week we got to get up early for school, and then Saturday morning in those days were cartoons, leaving only Sunday to sleep in. But off we were brought, off we went. Resistance, I imagine. But my mom did not let us skip. Worship, Sunday school, and as I became a pastor, I observed what looked like reluctance, if not resistance, among some kids and older kids when it came to attending youth fellowship or being in confirmation. But when it comes to spiritual and religious matters like house rules, having to engage in them is sometimes perceived later as being for our own good. Church and church activities, along with our families, reinforce godly values like honesty, believing in Jesus, service, giving of yourself, being part of something bigger than yourself, prayer and more. Now, these do not always stick as members, as numbers of professing Christians decline in our country, but they do stick a lot of the time. Sometimes we forget that. And even if that sticking takes a while to show up, it may not express itself also like the moms and dads express their faith, or still do, may express, it may be expressed in different ways. As we came to see this wisdom of our dads and moms bringing us, happily or not, to our faith communities as something that did help us, so we can come to understand that God's family rules, which we may turn away from at first, are also for our own good. The commands to love God who loved us first, to love our neighbor, to pray for our enemy, to honor our parents, to forgive, to not steal or lie or kill, but mostly to be loving. Those the two big commandments are things we discover are well worth it. And we're glad to have been taught it or caught it. Now, I do not mean this in a 50s era utilitarian way. Being taught to love and follow Jesus may begin in the home or at church, guided by rules at home and in Scripture. But deep down, perhaps because of that teaching and the movement of the Spirit, we come to love because sooner or later, hopefully, we get it. God loved us in making us. God in Christ loved us. First John says God, God and Christ loved us first. And then we are called to love God. Christ loved us first. All the way to Calvary and the resurrection. 
This is one, capital O, this is one who taught us to love one another and to love God and love the least of these among us and to pray for our enemies. If we love this Jesus who has loved us first, we will trust him. And if we trust him, like we trust our parents with their rules of the family, we will also try to do the things Jesus commanded because he is in us through the Spirit. We find that he and his love for us are trustworthy. And so we want to follow his way, his family rules, even if and when it costs us. Loving the way Jesus teaches us to love, it brings us closer to him. In our attempts at loving and believing, grounded in coming to trust our loving God, we grow to trust and love God and love Jesus more and more. Like it worked with our parents, in a way. There's so many ways, then, to express that love. Like working for peace is one. Working for justice is another. Working for the good of the planet that we all live on is yet another way of showing our love for God and for our neighbor. As our prayers for the ill, feeding the hungry, healing the afflicted, being agents of healing, and praising God in worship. Living a life of love in all its colorful variety, because we all have different gifts, is good for God. It is certainly good for us, because we learn over time, yeah, this is for my own good, and my relationship with God is better, and I've been equipped. It's good for God, it's good for us, and it's a blessing to this world. So confused about God and Christ and the church. So we give thanks for God, and we give thanks to God for our moms, who at their best lead their kids into becoming disciples like you and me, except better. And that's good news as we encourage and appreciate our moms in all situations for the glory of God. Amen. Hi. I hope that the message brought you some uh, warm glow of memories as you heard a little bit of my story and some of the the general story of having rules set by your mom if if your mom was present in your life and or if you're a mom and making kids follow rules that are for their own good. And you hope that they'll figure that out. <clears throat> because I didn't mean to imply that everyone always figures it out. <laughs> I thank you for listening. I'm really grateful for everyone who tunes in whenever they find us, whenever they listen, and wherever they're from. During the service today, we had somebody in the worshiping congregation from Cameroon and a married couple, a senior married couple from India who have been uh, worshiping with our congregation periodically for many, many years, as well as a Filipino couple and some other visitors. So uh, maybe you're part of that too through the podcast because many of you live in other places than Skokie or the state of Illinois or in some cases even the United States. We appreciate all of you. And we hope that you will find us again for the next seventh Sunday of Easter, which on our calendar is May 21st, 2023, 
the Sunday after Ascension Day. May God bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.